0: Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 175 of the Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, I'm talking about why kegels aren't the only or best exercise for all pelvic floor issues, the relationship between pelvic floor and breathing, and why pelvic floor dysfunction could be related to what's going on in your shoulder, your neck, your hip, or your lower back. I'm joined today again by body nerd Holly Middleton. She is a former competitive dancer turned movement coach and physiotherapy assistant with a PhD in biology. You may remember Holly from episode 165, all about foot pain. We totally nerded out and I knew that I wanted to have her back to further dive into the relationship and connection of the whole body from feet all the way up to your head. Her main modality is anatomy in motion, which is a blueprint of human movement through the gait cycle from the skeleton perspective, which again is why that relationship between what's going on in your feet and your pelvic floor and your hips and your neck and your jaw is all connected. So I'm really excited to have Holly with us today to talk about the relationship of the pelvic floor and the foot. And uh, it's going to be nerdy and enlightening. So enjoy, Holly Middleton. Welcome back, Miss Holly, to the Body Nerd Show. Now, I've already asked you what you like to get nerdy about. So why don't we start with what's something that you've learned recently
1: that you're kind of nerding out? about now. (laughs) Sure. So I just recently took a course with Postural Restoration Institute and I learned something about the body that I had no idea about and it's super, super cool. So a really quick little story about your body. So in your torso, your left and your right sides are different. So on your left side, you have your heart, your stomach, your lungs. On the right side, you have your lungs and then just below it is your liver. And your liver is really big and heavy. It's full of blood and enzymes and a whole bunch of stuff. And so the diaphragm on each side of your torso is different because on the the heart and lung side, it's just got to lift up heart and lung, maybe a bit of stomach. On the right side, it's got to deal with that liver all the time. Yeah. So the the diaphragm on the right side is a lot stronger, more muscular and has to deal with pushing and pulling on the liver all the time. And so it's stronger. And so it pulls us And so it pulls us to the right. So you're always, if you're not really active in doing stuff all day long and dealing with the fact that we're different left and right, then you tend to be pulled to the right and then you rotate to the left to try to deal with it. And the consequence mm-hmm. shows up throughout from your neck, from your, all the bones in your skull, all the way down to your pelvis, and even which leg you prefer to stand on. So crazy, mm-hmm. interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this course was teaching us to identify that and then be able to have strategies to get you out of that. So if you have trouble turning your head to the left, if you're feeling breathless, if you feel like you prefer your right leg, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it could just be that we're not symmetrical beings. And because we're not dealing with it all day long hey, (laughs) this pattern comes up. Now I see it everywhere. Everywhere I look, I'm seeing this pattern in people. So super curious about that.
0: Okay. I'm totally going to start paying attention to that when mobility assessments come through the door, but also having done the dissection, like, yeah, the liver is this like big honking heavy thing, even in cadaver. So it totally makes sense that it would be different. Of course. Like, of
1: course. And I've never considered this. My mind is also now like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. That's how I was going into the course. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Super cool.
0: Yeah. That is so awesome. Oh man. Okay. So, well, we could talk about rotation and the spine and all of that, but today I wanted to talk specifically about pelvic floor. Because since we last spoke, which feels like millennia ago, but I think it was probably a month and a half ago, Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> um, and you and I have been working together on my body and moving better and feeling better, which if you are listening and you're like, wait, what, Alex, you don't have it all figured out. No, I never claim to that working with someone else is always super helpful to help you see what you can't see for yourself. And one of the many things that we had been working on, I can't remember what the initial thing was, that created this discomfort and pain. And I know for many of you listening, again, right. You're like, I don't remember what happened, but this thing started hurting and it was bothering me. And so for me, it was my SI joint on the right side, which is something that you and I had been focusing on just in general on that right side. And you, so I sent you an email and then you told me to do this exercise that even as you were writing, like, you know, I read the email. I was like, there's no way that this can work. like this is just like way too simple. Um, and it involved, and you're going to explain more of exactly what happened and the relationship of all of these things together, you know, putting you know, just a little bit of a heel lift underneath my heel. Uh, and I wore just a pair, I took one shoe off and left a shoe on the other foot. And I was like, well, this is going to work because I'm out here in the garage, did a little bit of motion and almost like pretty much instantly SI joint felt better and then was good from there on out, no longer an issue. So, what the heck was that? What is the relationship of the pelvic floor? Like, let's just like start with the big questions, then we'll we'll drill down from there. So, sure, <laughs> no <your probably>. <laughs> So,
1: what, what we were doing is we were trying to unlock your pelvic or your your SI joint. So, your SI joint is where your uh, your sacrum and your pelvis come together, and it's a, a magical little joint because it kind of is the connection between the top of your body and the l- bottom of your body, and so your nervous system is always looking for ways to keep keep the human safe. And so it's looking for ways to create stability, even though I don't like that word, trying to create stability. So there's, if there's mobility somewhere else. So let's say if you're, you're bending your knee and you're dropping your arches on, on one leg, that's a pretty vulnerable place for your body because everything's open. All those joints are open. The knee is vulnerable. Everything is open and nothing is locked down. So then your nervous system will say, well, if your leg is kind of wobbly and open, let's lock down the SI joint. So the top can be stiff And so your, your nervous system will say, okay, we don't want to be one of those wavy, you know, those wavy things at the, the car, the used (laughs) car, you don't want to be that guy. You want to be confident (laughs) on the leg. So it'll lock things down so that you don't be the wobbly guy, whatever his name is. (laughs) And so what happens is that your SI joint is going to stop you from moving just to keep that, that balance going. And so what was happening for you was I suspected that your SI joint was locking up. Thank you, SI joint. Thanks for your service to help you stay stable. But it needs to breathe. You need to let go of that joint as well. And so what I did was I put you into a position that you were describing. So you had a wedge underneath your heel to help you tilt forward, to bend your knee, to drop your arches, to tilt your pelvis, to do all the things to close your SI joint. So when all those things are vulnerable in your leg, all those joints are open, the knee is open, the hip is open, everything's open, we want the SI joint to close. And if it isn't able to close, then you're going to feel stuck and sticky and upset there in your SI joint. So it needs to be able to close, but it needs to be able to open too. Mm -hmm. So it depends on what your configuration is and what people would need. For you, you needed to be able to close it up. Some people need to be able to open it up. And so opening it up would do, be doing all the opposite things. So your leg is nice and stiff in a rigid lever. Your upper body can move because your SI joint is open. So it just really depends on which one you need. Sometimes your SI joint's stuck closed. Sometimes it's stuck open. Sometimes it's stuck closed in one plane and open in another. Like it can mm-hmm. do a whole bunch of things. So we want to make sure that we can give it back the ability to close and open in all of the planes. And that's what that exercise was was to give you relief to be able to close it up instead of it being stuck open.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to what you said about, you know, stability. And it's not necessarily like everything needs to be stable 100% of the time. Um, You know, if that were true, people who have a tremendous amount of strength and a lack of flexibility, like, um, you know, bodybuilders come to mind would have no pain. And that's not true. And then on the other end of the spectrum of the super bendy Cirque du Soleil type of people, who that may not even be a great example because the people I know who do that are incredibly strong. But that lack of joint stability also can create pain. And so what I hear you saying is that to have you know, a functioning system that moves well and feels good, we have to have the ability for both of stability when we need stability, and then opening or closing or that mobility that you're talking about when we
1: need it, right? Yeah, exactly. So you need, you need a balance. Everything's a spectrum. You need to be able to fully open and fully close every joint at the appropriate times in order for you to be able to, for some people, you want to load a muscle, you want to strengthen a muscle, you want to be stronger or more stable or whatever it is that you're wanting to do. You need to give back that buffet of movement potential for your body to be able to select from that what it needs appropriately for the task that you're doing. Whatever it is, you're lifting something up or you're reaching for a pen, whatever you need to do. You need to be able to have that range of motion on the ready whenever you need it. And that just means reminding your body of those factory settings that it may have forgotten for a long time.
0: Mm, yeah, those factory settings. Uh, one of my like starting books on this journey to learning more about movement in the body is by a physical therapist, Dr. Kelly Starrett. And for those of you who are in the you know, CrossFit world, you may be familiar with him, Mobility WOD, um, but it's called Becoming a Supple Leopard. And yes. the way she described it is like, you know, a leopard doesn't warm up Before they go and chase the antelope down, you know, they don't pull out a massage gun. They're not doing like (laughs) dynamic lunges. And then they're like, okay, now I'm going to go get the antelope. They're just literally able to go from complete rest passed out on a tree to like, boom, hitting the ground running. And it's not because they have some, well, I mean, a little bit, obviously genetics is different, um, but because movement is a part of an animal's everyday life. And as mammals, right, we're not that far off <laughs> genetically, uh, but our behavior sets us up for a lot of no movement. And then we spend eight hours at work sitting at a desk and then we go to the gym um, and then we do some things that are also not really all that varied. And then we're like, God, my back hurts and I just I can't quite put a finger on it when really it's just like move a little bit more. And also, like you're saying, return to those factory settings of what your body was designed to do and put all the uh, like the elements in place so those factory settings can be restored.
1: Yeah, exactly. And one really interesting thing from this course that I took is that we're we're told that the best way to set yourself up at your workstation is ergonomics, is everything in neutral, everything in its center mm-hmm. all the time. And you're mm-hmm. gonna hang out there and everything is gonna be great. But we're not symmetrical beings. Just like I said off the top that you know, your liver's heavy and so it pulls your so you're you're in this strange setup. You know, that your body has created for you because when you breathe, your liver pulls you, all these things that I talked about. And so then you put yourself in an ergonomic setting, but your body is meant to constantly be dealing with our asymmetry. You would have spent all day long digging things, lifting things, chasing kids, you know, fixing fences, whatever we would have done, right? Our ancestors would have done lots of stuff all day long Mm -hmm. to be able to manage this beautiful asymmetry we have because it's supposed to be there. And because it's there, it's like like a pendulum. If my liver's heavy, I deal with my liver by going left. They go back and forth and back and forth. And so we would have dealt with this. Constantly all day long, but if you sit in an ergonomic setting, and it's not—I'm not knocking an ergonomic setting. What I'm knocking is the fact that we're not moving throughout mm-hmm. the day to mm-hmm. deal with our asymmetries, and so we're in this. I must sit in an ergonomic setup because that's going to be pain-free for me. When actually your body is saying, "Damn it, move! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give yeah. me more movement!" And we've we've been taught from a very young age, sit still, don't don't fidget in your chair. Be a good girl or boy and sit and listen to the teacher and ignore Mm -hmm. your body's, uh, the fact that your body wants to get up and move around all the time. And then Mm -hmm. you wonder why, you know, we're we're dealing with these aches and pains and why it's such a hard road to get into being more active all the time because you're told from a young age, sit still,
0: behave Mm -hmm. yourself. Right? Mm-hmm. Ignore your
1: body's signals. And then we can't yeah. even check in with when your body is whispering at you. These things that we, you know, and, and people think, I don't even know how to listen to my body. I don't even, I, I can't possibly know what to do for my body or what's best because we've just been told to, to stop it. Just do your mm-hmm. math.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Just rewind and listen to that all again because 100%. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I get questions from people all the time. Well, like, what's the best sitting position? What's the best sleeping position? What's the best this position? And it's not about the position. It's about exactly what you're saying of allowing your body to move in all of the ways. And that in itself will then yield or let you know, okay, that's hard. Let's figure out why that's hard and do more things that challenge it in that way and allow again, those factory settings to be restored because you can't really do a hard reset, you know, and there's like <laughs> joint replacements, not quite the same. So we have to continue
1: to move forward. Literally. Yeah. And think would, we, would you even know the settings on your phone? If you had to go back to the factory settings, even your phone that you spend no. so much time on, would you even, we don't no. know. So how do you know your body's factory settings? No, no. idea.
0: I have not turned know. my phone off in quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> So I also want to make sure that we talk about, you know, breathing and the pelvic floor, because that's, as we always do, you and I, Holly, is we got well, way off on these tangents of things that are absolutely <laughs> relevant, but <Yeah. laughs> so, yes, absolutely. when it comes to hip pain, back pain, um, even I bet you are going to tell us about, you know, foot pain, jaw pain, the pelvic floor plays a role in that, but it. It's not often brought up in the discussions, whether it's with your orthopedic surgeon or your physical therapist or that. Um, so why don't we start with like, first, what is the pelvic floor, the role of the pelvic floor and how it's tied into breathing?
1: Sure. So the pelvic floor is uh, a, think of it like a trampoline at the base of your pelvis. So it's the floor of your pelvis is the muscles that, that are covering the whole bottom of your pelvis. And just like a trampoline, if you push down on it, it you know, it could it can bend downwards, and then when you jump back up, it comes back up. So it's going it's a muscle set of muscles that is designed to to be pushed down and pushed back up again. And that is the bottom. If you think about a piston in your abdomen, the piston has um, a bunch of different surfaces on it. So the bottom of the piston is your pelvic floor, the top of the piston is your diaphragm. So that's the 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 other. Um, trampoline type of muscle that is at the, um, the bottom of your rib cage. And then if you think about the sides of the piston, you have your back muscles and then your ab muscles at the front. And mm-hmm. so the, one of the roles of the pelvic floor is managing the pressure that happens in your abdomen from breathing. So when you take air in, it goes into your lungs, it's going to push your, or your diaphragm goes down as you inhale. And so that top of that piston's pushing down. And so that pressure goes down through your abdomen into your pelvic floor It pushes your pelvic floor down. And then when you exhale, your, the rebound of the, the elasticity of those muscles will pull the whole piston back up again. And so we want that piston to be able to have the pressure nicely aligned in your body. So if you had a piston that was offset it would be you know the piston would be going on an angle it's going to be scouring out the side of whatever a piston lives in I don't know I don't know I don't know cars but I'm a body nerd, not a car nerd <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's it would be scouring out the sides mm-hmm. in a weird way and mm-hmm. so that is going to translate into our bodies. So if the piston can't work straight up and down and you're your pressures are off in there, it's going to start pushing in different angles. So you may have one shoulder hurts or a knee hurts, or you're not stable on one leg or something like that. So these sort of mystery things that sort of creep in, you're like, I don't know why my shoulder hurts or my knee hurts. I've tried everything. And it turns out that your pelvic floor, if your piston is off because your alignment isn't quite right, is going to be pushing unequally, on that trampoline. So kind of like if you had a kid in the corner, the trampoline jumping up and down, it's being pushed up and down in the corner, but not on the whole trampoline. So we want to be able to know why it is that our alignment is important for that piston, but also how that helps us sort of trace down these mystery aches and pains that are in your body. So Mm -hmm. being able to get that piston aligned, be able to use it well, use the pelvic floor well, and then you can get into weird and wonderful configurations where your pelvic floor can still fire, even if you're not in this sort of ideal alignment. So that pelvic Mm -hmm. floor is really important because it it's it again the word stabilize it helps stabilize you so that you are able to to manage your spine so you're nice and in control of the movements that you need to do but it also those muscles interact with muscles that connect to your hips Mm -hmm. and so if you're not able to if maybe your pelvic floor is stuck or maybe it's not able to contract then you're not able to also use those muscles that are attached to your hip joints in a in an efficient way either and I just discovered this as well recently I went to an RMT who works on the viscera which is your abdomen and he discovered that the pelvic floor on the left for me was stuck tight and I knew this from going to a pelvic floor physio but I'd never connected it to the tension that was always on the outside of my left hip and it turned out that I was not fully relaxing the pelvic floor on the left in order to let those muscles attach to my hips relax mm-hmm. and so that was affecting all the things on my the outside of my left hip and I've tried everything like you like you say mm-hmm. we know what we know we try everything mm-hmm. sometimes we have to go to other people to figure this out and that cleared up my hip was just Ooh. retraining myself to let go of my pelvic floor and allow those muscles that attach between my pelvis and my hip socket let them relax so that I could shift into that space again and my body didn't go wait we can't go there cuz this muscle's too tight to let you go there so mm-hmm. i was just allowing that that retraining to do that and magically it cleared up and mm-hmm. i'm more more confident on my left leg too The number
0: one question I get within the comments and my DMS and my emails is I have this issue. What should I do for it? And I get when you've tried icing and you've tried stretching and they're not really working. You probably are looking for a simple program that you can do on your own that actually works. And that's exactly why I put together the mobility mastery toolkit. The toolkit includes 30 days of exercises so you know exactly what to do to improve the mobility of your hips, your lower back, your feet, your neck, and your shoulders. Plus it comes with video demos for every single exercise and a full body mobility workout calendar so you can check it off. And again, you don't have to think about what to do, you just get it done. And with all of those resources, you're just 15 minutes a day from feeling stronger and more flexible. As a Body Nerd Show listener, you can save 50% off when you use the code MASTERY at mobilitytoolkit.co. That's right. Use the code MASTERY, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y at mobilitytoolkit.co. And then keep me posted how it goes. Also too, like with pelvic floor, I think it comes up in conversation often with postpartum or even older I don't want to say like older, cause I know that I have peers, I'm in my thirties and I have peers with pelvic floors, by the way, both male and female bodies, everybody has a pelvic floor, but that losing strength in your pelvic floor and doing things like, um, you know, peeing a little bit when you jump or laugh or sneeze, um, or that that's completely normal and a total natural part of aging, um, what I feel just is the answer the question for us. Is that a total normal, natural part of aging? Is it just related to
1: pregnancy and childbirth? No, it's not. It's, it's normalized because we have, um, people are talking about it. Now you Mm -hmm. talk with your friends about it and there's ads on TV for incontinence pads. Mm -hmm. And so it's become normalized as not a taboo subject, but something that, well, it happens to everybody. And now there's a product for it so as soon as there's a product for it and there's a conversation around it it becomes normalized as that's just a normal thing that happens but in fact it's not it's like a lot of things where we think oh we get older my knees going to be bad you know this is going to happen it's not necessarily true it's just mm-hmm. become normalized as well um there's a product for that and so we'll just th- we'll just carry on instead of going wait a second like that's not not everyone experiences that. Mm-hmm. And, and then we're told that, well, it's just a part of aging, but it actually isn't. And so if we get more curious about why it is that we might have lost the tone in that muscle, um, then we can start to understand that there are ways out of that that doesn't require having incontinence pads for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And how would you
0: know if your pelvic floor is uh, uh, you know too weak or like tight, because we've talked about kind of both from side to side, like, how do we figure out what's going on in our own bodies?
1: Yeah, so there's a few, a few things that we can do. Um, As practitioners, there's a few tests that I do. But there's a few things that your listeners can try out as well, if they want to try it out. Of course, not when you're driving or something like that, somewhere (laughs) where you can stand and, and, and experience it. But some things would be, for example, am I more confident standing on my left or my right leg? Am I more confident doing a single leg squat on one leg or the other? Do I find that I get a butt wink when I squat? So just d- different things like that can tell us that maybe one side or the other isn't doing as, as good as it could, mm. um, that we could maybe start working on the breathing and the alignment together, coordinating the diaphragm and the pelvic floor together to be able to help you out with that. Um, I know you and I worked on pelvic floor a little bit together last mm-hmm. time we, we met, and i was giving you a few places on your body where you can feel to see if the pelvic floor is firing or not mm-hmm. so there's some ways that you can find on your own body to see if those muscles are firing and whether left and rights might be a bit different And so those would be some spots um, in the middle of your abs that you can test, as well as one more sensitive area around um, underneath your glutes that you can tell whether those muscles are firing when you're doing just simple breathing tasks. And then as you get to do more difficult tasks like a squat or uh, jumping up on a small, like up onto a step, and you can tell whether those muscles are firing or not, and that can give you a bit of feedback yourself about somewhere you might want to explore. But also, we can talk about the connection between the pelvic floor and the feet. Right, mm-hmm. So you're able to notice some things there as well. Do you want to go into that? I can give a few examples of, of things that we could, that you yeah. could try, your listeners could try out. Yeah, definitely. Because even that relationship, you know, like you've already said that the the
0: hips and the SI joints and the abdomen in the back, that all of those tissues are connected by way of connective tissue or fascia. Um, so the conversation about even what's happening in the lower back and what's happening in the pelvic floor, like this is all the same conversation, just perhaps with your, your gaze turned slightly to the left or to the right. So yeah, what, so if we're able to kind of identify, and for me, I remember, you know, we did some breathing exercises, which if you're like, wait, what? But remember, we started talking this conversation with pelvic floor as a breathing, um, a right. That in breath, you can use your breath to help engage through the pelvic floor and time them together. And I have a feeling you're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, but I remember even just contracting on laying on my back and trying to engage my pelvic floor versus laying on my side and trying to engage my pelvic floor are a totally different experience. So that's like, I also just want to mention that so that y- You know, those of you listening aren't thinking, like, okay, so what is like the one right exercise? And you haven't heard us say that there's one right exercise, but really it's exploring how this movement feels in your body and what is that next best step for you.
1: Yeah. And your pelvic floor is not just one place. Like we talk about, you've heard about Kegels and things like that. Mm-hmm. Your pelvic floor, you have a front and a back. Both men and women have a front and a back of your pelvic floor. You need to be able to do use both the front and the back and the left and the right of it. So if you're not able to use one of those components of it, or if it's stuck locked or stuck relaxed, then you want to start exploring whether you can Um, use the front or the back, the left or the right as appropriate. So if you're standing on one foot, you may want to be using a different part of your pelvic floor a little bit more than if you're standing on another foot. Mm -hmm. If you are lifting something really heavy, you want to use your pelvic floor more than if you're lifting a pencil.
0: So Mm -hmm. you want
1: to be able to use it appropriately for what's going on, but you want to first start off with you in a, in a neutral alignment. I don't really like the word neutral, but, but just in a, in a, in simply having everything aligned so you can use that first, then you're able to to check, make sure you can use all of your pelvic floor and use it appropriately. And then we'll put you in different positions. Like for you, lying on your side was different. Gravity is going to change that. The pressure is going to change that. And so you want to be able to use it appropriately in different configurations, weird and wonderful, you know, strange configurations you can be in. You still want to be able to use your pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. So we are, we would work towards being able to use it in appropriate things that you would use day to day. And that just depends on what your day-to-day is. Yeah.
0: Well, and also, again, this idea of like the one perfect exercise. I was talking to a client today who was like, yeah, you know, my physical therapist gave me clamshells for my hip and I still do them because they kind of help. But any exercise that is isolating one specific muscle in this almost like a Petri dish of the exercise never is your pelvic floor ever being asked to contract in an isolated way, right? It's always responding to the environment to the breath to the position you're in and so practicing and just paying attention really to how it is working in all of those weird and wonderful positions like you say is going to be so much more beneficial than being able to do you know one kegel contraction of pulling up on the pelvic floor while you're on your hands and knees or on your back that's not to say that's not a valid place to start but like it doesn't end there
1: Yeah. You need to be able to use your pelvic floor as appropriate. If you have to step up onto a high box to reach something, you know, if you're, if you're a runner, you need to be able to relax your pelvic floor and fire it. You can't be Mm -hmm. holding it the whole time you're running, right? There's, there's appropriate use of the pelvic floor and you have to be able to, to be able to use it so that you can use it in a variety of ways as appropriate to the task.
0: Mm -hmm. So, To identify like where to shine a light, well, you know, we practice balancing on one leg and just seeing how things work there. And then we talked about breathing as an exercise. Are there any other things that we can do to just kind of keep tabs, I guess, if you will, on the pelvic floor and its uh,
1: integration, we'll say, into the rest of the body? Sure. There's some things, for example, it, we can, if we want to get curious, you want to get nerdy about how the pelvic floor changes with the way you stand, then you can start to notice, oh, if I stand that way, it means a certain part of my pelvic floor is probably always on and another part is probably always off. So I want to take your listeners through a, a, an exercise where they're just starting to notice their like. For many of us, we just don't know it's there. We mm-hmm. don't know how to even recognize that it's there. And I was the same. I'm like, I don't know. Is it there? Am I feeling it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yep. we can start to notice it and just start to make a connection that it's there through a couple of just simple exercises while you're standing. So if you want to stand up, we're not going to stand up because we've got mics. <laughs> but I'm if you standing. <laughs> oh, you already are. Okay. So <laughs> if you stand up and if you tilt your pelvis forward, so think about increasing the arch in your lower back. And feeling the weight going forwards in your feet, almost as if you're standing with heels on, you've got mm-hmm. heels on, then your weight is more forwards on your feet, your, your pelvis is tilted forward, you have a sway back, mm-hmm. that's going to cause the front of your pelvic floor to fire a little bit more so you don't fall on your face. so So if you go yes (laughs) thank you body for not falling on all my important sensory organs (laughs) so if you stand and just relax and then go into that tilting forward position that's going to cause the front of your pelvic floor to work harder for you and then if you come back and if you tuck your tail under feel your weight go into your heels then you're going to feel the back portion of your pelvic floor is going to be working a bit harder that's so you don't fall on your back and so your pelvic floor will, will hold on to help you to, to not fall backwards. And so we might notice that if you're someone who has a sway back or a tucked bum, that a certain part of your pelvic floor is going to be more used to working than the other. And so just simply tilting your pelvis forward and back, you can start to notice your pelvic floor being there and start to connect with, oh, the, oh, I can feel it starting to fire to help me. And then when I tuck under, oh, I can help. I can feel the back end of it. And for most of us, you're going to be better at one or the other because you live mm-hmm. in one of those postures for most mm-hmm. of us. And yep. so you may be really good at finding the front of your pelvic floor, not so good at the back of your pelvic floor, vice versa. When we're finding the back of our pelvic floor, are the glutes engaging as well? They might. Yeah, it really just depends. Um, Often when you tuck your tail, you know, we've worked on this together, you and I, the mechanics of your skeleton that when your tail tucks under and when your lower back rounds and tucks under and your knees straighten and your hips rotate out, then you're going to get your glutes firing as a consequence of all of those things because the muscles are just Mm -hmm. attached there. Um, so some people might have a flat bum, <laughs> right? So if you have a flat bum and no matter how many you know, glute exercises you do, you can't seem to get it to develop, it may be your pelvic floor is just out to lunch. It mm-hmm. just won't help you out. And so we want to get your pelvic floor back in order for you to be able to develop your glutes again, be able to get the pelvic floor working appropriately for, your, for the task at hand. Same thing if you have more of your weight over onto your left side. So if you shift your weight over to your left leg, then that left side of your pelvic floor is going to be working harder because you're load-bearing on that side. Mm-hmm. And if you switch over to the right, the right side of your pelvic floor is going to be working harder. So the if you tend to be – if you we all have a, a leg we prefer. If you tend mm-hmm. to hang out on your right side, your right pelvic floor is probably stronger than your left side. And that may be showing up in your squats or which your lunges, you know, which leg you trust more. So if your pelvic floor can't fire on a certain side, you're not going to trust that leg as much because that stabilizing system isn't there when you need it. And so you're trying to do other things. Maybe you're clenching your jaw or holding your shoulder, something you're, something else has to stabilize you or holding your breath, using your diaphragm as a rigid structure to try to keep you there. Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing if your pelvis is rotated and many of us don't know our pelvis is rotated. So if your pelvis is rotated, it's also going to cause an imbalance in the pelvic floor. So it's going to cause a bit of torsion in there, which is going to change which side of your pelvic floor is tight all the time and which side might be looser. So we want to get curious about what your your normal standing resting position is. If you tend to be sway-backed or your bum's tucked under, if you favor one leg or another, or if you're rotated, then a certain part of your pelvic floor, maybe the front right corner, is going to be more used to working back left corner, not so much. So we just want to get curious about that, that the way I stand, maybe the types of shoes that I wear, the types of positions I hang out in all the time. You're probably a master at one position and not very good at another one. Your pelvic floor will relate to that. And then you can see all these things showing up. Oh yeah. I hate doing lunges on my right leg. I much prefer the left leg. I, Mm. you know, these sorts of things that we notice it could be your pelvic floor could be part of that equation hmm. Yes.
0: So what I hear you saying is, again, there's no one perfect exercise. I need to just breathe and pay attention to position and get curious about what is easy, what isn't easy, and then t- just keep going with that.
1: Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's no magic bullet. There's no easy button in life. <laughs> there's a curious button. And I think yes. as body nerds that your listeners are all on board with that.
0: Yes. I love that so much. Now I know you are doing virtual coaching and support. So can you tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, how to work with you virtually
1: as you and I have done? Sure. You can book with me, you can email me or the, in your show notes, there'll be connections. Mm -hmm. You can connect with me on my website. Um, and I work virtually through, it's called a Jane, the Jane, um, Uh, software so you can connect through there there's a a secure video link Um, we start off with uh, I get you to I send you some wedges so that you have the wedges that you need for your for the treatment so that's my main tool that I use and I get you to send me a gate video so I do an analysis of your gate before I see you and then when we start off with the first session um, we will I'll um, go through a deep dive into your history. So I want to know all the things that have been going on in your body, all your history, all of the sports that you played, all the sort of positions you like to hang out in your injuries, your surgeries, your tattoos, all the kinds of things that happened, mm-hmm. the sort of um, big life events that might affect your posture, your breathing, your connection to your body. And we go through and connect all of those events to the onset of your aches and pains. So we want to know what the, the connection is between the thing that happened and the thing that's bugging you. Mm-hmm. And so we want to restore all the things, those factory settings that have been deleted conveniently from your knowledge because of those injuries that you've had and connect the dots between those. So I want to take us back and reset you. To where you were before that injury to see if that's the the key, the missing link in the aches and pains that you're having. So I look at a full postural screening, I look at how you breathe, I look at how you are able to access the movements of all of your joints and whether they're coordinated together. And then we come up with a plan of the things that I think we need to do and then we start that from that deep dive, we start connecting the dots between those. I start giving you exercises and and you you can explain that they're small tiny little gentle movements, Mm -hmm. super small, and your brain will probably be fried by the end because you had no idea these things about your body. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you start off with those exercises, they only take a few minutes a day. And you can get those repetitions into your body. So your body goes, Oh, yeah, we used to do that. Actually, that's a bit better. Mm -hmm. And so it starts pulling from that buffet of of knowledge of movements that it has access to again, they used to be scary. That's how things hurt. That's the injury space. And mm-hmm. we show it that it's safe. We teach your body to coordinate everything together so that that movement is back into your repertoire. And then you just get on with your day. I don't want you thinking about, oh, my big toe has to do this when I walk and my pelvic floor has to do this when I reach for the cupboard. Like I don't mm-hmm. want you to just set it and forget it. And then just do your exercises a couple minutes a day and continue on. And then every time I see you, we refine that. We find out what you need next. And we keep going until we we find out the the root cause.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this also conversation has been a reminder to me. I'm like, oh, I need to go back and play with breathing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like this thing that we should just know how to do. But, you know, your body is so smart on getting the task done at whatever cost. And if that means bypassing things that are, you know, compensation patterns or injuries, or all of those things that you mentioned, so that you can take a breath, your brain's like, cool, okay, let's just do it. Even if at the end of the day, it may not be not only as mechanically efficient, but there may be some cost to that, which is typically pain. Um, So yeah, if, if you guys are listening to this, and you're like, wait, could, could it be, could it be that simple? I mean, I, uh, even with everything that I know was also like shocked that, that simple SI thing that you shared, it was like literally just rocking back, back and forth a few times. I was like, by golly, my back feels great. And it hasn't been an issue again. And when it did come up, I knew exactly what to do. Cause then I had that tool in my toolbox. And that's what this is really about is continue to expand your toolbox so that when something comes up, you go, oh, I have, you know, even if it's not exact experience of that exact thing for like you personally, you're like, well, you know, I did do this thing with Holly and we did this. Well, what if I try that? And then having that curiosity at least get you moving forward to find
1: that next best step. Yeah. And that's exactly how we work is I'm not interested in seeing you every week for 52 weeks of the year. I'm not interested in doing that. I want to see other people. You know, right? like, I want to give you a toolbox. I want to show yeah. you what you're not aware of, teach you how your body's put together so you can problem solve yourself. And I'm just downloading information that I've learned from other people that have put these things together and given you some wedges and given you the the... a a full pass of curiosity and saying, what if I put my wedge here? Oh, actually that's better. Oh, my shoulder feels better. Your wedges are there for you to play with and figure out things on your own. You're getting this information every time you meet with me, getting to know your body better. And you're like, Oh, okay. My heel's not doing that. That's why my shoulder hurts. And so you can start Mm -hmm. playing and you can sort it out on your own. And that's Mm -hmm. my goal is just to empower you and let you do it on your own. Not for me to be like, I'm the only one who can solve this for you. Mm-hmm. not interested in that. Mm-hmm. I just want you to be able to be empowered and do it yourself.
0: Yes. Which is exactly why we are simpatico as body. <laughs> yes. Um, will you remind us what it's definitely
1: going to be in the show notes, but can you just go ahead and say what your website is and where people can find you? Yes, it is flowmovement.ca. So you can find me there. You can find out more about what I do. I have a YouTube channel as well. So if you look for Flow Movement Therapy, lots of tutorials and explanations about how I work and and the ideas that are behind that. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. So you can find me Flow Movement Therapy. I'm doing less of Instagram. I prefer more long form things where I can describe stuff and people can try and see what I'm doing. So that's why I talk to you and that's why I do YouTube so that you can kind of get your head around what we're doing instead of, I have one minute to understand this. Yeah. Much rather that you guys are able to sort of sit and digest and understand it better. Yes. 15 seconds. Ready? Go.
0: (laughs) No, it doesn't work. No, it would not work. Well, thank you so much, Holly, for spending the time to educate us. I know I definitely have a lot to chew on and continue to work with this. And I do hope that, you know, anyone who is listening, who is like, okay, this sounds like that might be a good next step for me, definitely goes ahead and reaches out to start working with you because it has been extremely helpful for me as well. So thank you for being here. Thank you for offering us this. Thank you for being the nerd that you are. I so appreciate you. Hey, Nerds Unite. <laughs> Thanks again, Alex. Every time I finish a conversation with Holly, I walk away learning and understanding like 7,000 new things. So I hope that you also are stoked about learning <laughs> and also feeling like an awesome Body Nerd. And I want to hear what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. And maybe that's even that you have more questions. That's totally fine. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at HalaFromala. You can find me on TikTok at AE Wellness. Or you can even leave a voicemail on the Body Nerd Hotline at 818. 818- three, nine, six, six, five, zero one. And don't forget that show notes links to everything we talked about today, including Holly's website and where you can find her on social, any free downloads and all things podcast related live over at aewellness.com slash podcast. And thank you so much for subscribing, for leaving a review, please five stars. <laughs> I'm pandering, I know, um, and sharing this episode with anyone who needs to know. I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to do that and any of those, because honestly, I wouldn't be here without you. And I'm really, really, really appreciative of that. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, thinking about our feet, and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com bodywork. That's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K to get started today.